Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I have quite a few scriptures, but we'll just start with a couple here. We're going to be turning to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, uh, verses 32 and 33, and then we're going to read verses 1 through 5. I honor my ministry today for giving me this opportunity this morning. I believe that God has given me a word, something that is on my heart, and uh, I'm excited about it. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 13, verse 32 and 33. And they brought up an evil report out of the land. This is right after the 12 spies went in to spy the land um, that was promised to them. And they brought up an evil report out of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that saw it in, in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. Everybody say our own sight. They belittled their own abilities. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Skipping over to Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Now watch this verse right here. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Now they cried and lifted up their voice to murmur. What if they would have cried and lifted up their voice and worshiped God and gave him glory and lifted him up and say, God, we know that we are able. It would probably be, probably be a very different outcome. Amen. So, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or God we had died in the wilderness? One of them scenarios comes true. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us out, brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make captains and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly, their leadership, their pastors, their, their anointed men of God in their lives fell on their face before all the congregation of the children of Israel. I want to talk to you this morning something that's been on my heart that God reaffirmed yesterday the dangers of disobedience let's put our bibles down let's pray one more time god move in this place lord god we ask you that your presence that your power god will be upon the word this morning god we know that your word is anointed god we know that your word moves mountains lord god but allow us to hear your word allow us to listen to your word god and we ask you that your presence will move in it lord jesus god we thank you for what you're going to do in this place in jesus name we pray amen clap your hands and you can be seated this morning. As I lay out my title this morning, the first thought among you is probably he's going to talk about the crazy rebellion of this world. And that people are intentional and people have it in their minds and made up that they are going to rebel against whoever, against the man of God, against the will of God, against God's anointed. But oftentimes in the Bible, that is not how it's portrayed. 
we often find lead-ups to great rebellion. We often find lead-ups to dis, uh, uh, disobedience or moments of weakness that lead to their demise, almost instantaneous decisions or moments that, uh, that lead to their demise. There are stories in the Bible like Absalom and David where he planned out his rebellion against David, and we ultimately know that that led to his death. But the majority of the rebellion or the disobedience in the Bible is not something that was planned out. It's something that happened in a moment. It happened over a period of a little bit of time, and it led to their demise. At any rate, it is important that we point out some of the areas in the Word of God where it does happen, why it happens, and what was the result of the disobedience or rebellion. Yesterday, I sat in a class, and the Ohio District leader, Brother Stark, Bishop Stark, laid out his vision to reach 200 churches or preaching points in Ohio. Currently, we have 170. This would seem like a task, but as he laid out his, uh, his vision for the state of Ohio, he related it to everybody that was in that building, in that class at that time, and said that you are the key to make this happen. You are the people that will allow the preaching points or the churches to be established to meet the goal of 200 churches within this year or preaching points. And it reminded me of our pastor's vision that he has been laying out for us for the past few months to have almost preaching points at individual houses in different places like Jackson, Tusla, South, uh, Canton South, uh, Plain Township, all these different places. And it reaffirmed the message to me that I want to bring to you this morning, that without a cohesive unit working together, it will be hard to find the success that God wants us to find in this vision. If we do not stand behind and we do not follow that vision and empower that vision, it will be harder for us as a body to fulfill that. So, we, I want to look at this morning, what are some things that can creep up that, you know, rebellion's not always... You know, we think of rebellion, we think about the disobedient kid that's like, no, no, mom, no, dad. That doesn't work out too well. But when we think of rebellion, that's what we think about. We think about moments where, where kids are out of control, but rebellion isn't always like that. It's not always taken on face value. Sometimes it's kind of behind the scenes, and it happens almost instantaneously. And the reason it happens is because we are not fortified in our relationship with God. And in our faith with God. So there are things in our life that will cause rebellion or disobedience to rise up instantaneously. Three things I want to talk about this morning, which is vision, value, and pride. So let's talk about vision this morning. The Bible tells us that faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing of the word of God. It does not identify any other, any other means, any other aspect of your senses that will fortify faith. It comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Not seeing, not vision, not what you see, not what you perceive. That's why somebody can respond to an emotional sight and come down the altar and be blessed because of what they see. But then turn around and be the exact same person because their faith was established on sight and not on the word of God. Amen. 
That's why it's important to be in here for the Word of God and not just come for the altar call. Because the Word of God is what's going to get you to that next level. Amen? Not just the vision of what's going on down here. It might, it might, emotion can, can cause us to drive towards God, but ultimately faith is established by the Word. Now, God's word has already established the Israelites, the word to the Israelites, before they ever went to spy out the land. Before they ever went into the land of Canaan, God already affirmed, and it was reaffirmed by Caleb when he said, we are more than able to take this land. We can conquer this land. We can overcome the people in this land. This land is good, okay? His faith was established by the word that was given to Moses that you're going to go into a promised land. Okay, his faith was established by his knowledge of the word of God, by the hearing of the word of God that said, we can go take this land. But the other ten, their faith was destroyed by their sight and their disobedience was kindled by the belief that they were not able because of who they were. They said, we are as in our own sights as grasshoppers. So therefore, we are in their sights. What they did is he made it to where, because the only reason that we are grasshoppers in their sight is because we feel we are grasshoppers in their sight. They never had it made up in their mind that we can complete this task. Okay, there's going to be coming things in your life, in this church, in your individual ministries that's going to say, you're a grasshopper, you can't do this. But you must understand, you can complete this task. It's not about what you see. It's not about how you qualify yourself. You can complete this task if you honor, obey the word of God, and find yourself in obedience with the will and the anointed of God in your life. We can do it. We can reach the lost. Uh, we can save the people in this world. We can reach out to lost in every aspect. The only person that will hinder us, the only thing that will hinder us is our sight, is us. We will look at the people in this world. Oh, there's no hope for that person. There's no hope for that. They're kind of standoffish, so we won't pick that person. Listen, don't let your vision dictate what you will do. Allow the word of God to do. If your pastor and the anointed man of God in your life says, uh, you can do this, then believe me, you can do it. If God says, I call you to this, then God says you can do it. Time and time again, we see the Bible does not put faith in the eyes. That the eyes were actually almost a tool of deception, not faith. This is where our story captures our mind this morning. They went in not on the precept of can we take this land. They went in to see what they were getting and who they were going to kill to get it. God did not say go into the land to see if you can take it. He said go into the land to spy it out. Any strategic commander would spy out the land first. They weren't just going to go in there and start swinging their swords. They went in to spy out the land. But what God did not, um, I wouldn't, shouldn't say did not account for, but what God did not want them to do is to go into that land and come back with an evil report. He wanted them to go in the land and say, okay, well, this is where we got to go first, and we got to go over here, and we got to kill these people over here, and then we got to move strategically. He didn't think that they would go into the land and say, we can't do this. Because God was almost mad at the point. If you continue reading scripture, he's like, what? What else do I got to do? What else do I got to do, Moses? 
This is, this is, I'm paraphrasing, but this is crazy. I've already done so much for him. What else do I got to do? They were, they were told to go into the land, to spy out the land. They knew, Moses knew, Aaron knew, Joshua knew, Caleb knew already. They went in with the mindset, we can overcome this land. So therefore, what they seen did not dictate what they did. They already had it made up in their mind what they were going to do. Amen? They had already, because of the established word of God in their life, they had already made it up in their mind what they were going to do. And when they went into the land, when we go into our preaching points, when we go into our ministries, when we go into the next level of God, you have to have it made up in your mind, God has already given me the ability to do what he is asking me to do. I cannot allow my vision and I cannot allow my sight to deter that. Amen? So when they got to where they were going, they said, we're not qualified to take these giants. Don't disqualify yourself by what you see, because your sight is not your faith. When the man of God speaks in your life, or when God speaks, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is uh, the will of God in your life. This is where God is leading you. It's not because you are qualified. It's because you are called. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I was not qualified to be called, but God called me and then qualified me. Amen? The only reason we succeed in our ministries, the only reason we succeed in in a home Bible study, the only reason we will succeed in reaching the lost is not because of your knowledge and it's not because of who you are as a person. It's not because of all the skills that you have. It's because of the anointing of God that rests in your life that will be able to establish the Holy Ghost in somebody else's life, that will be able to establish the change in somebody else's life. We are the salt of the earth, a light that is on top of a hill. We are the people that will reach this world, amen? But without that anointing, we are not the salt. Without that anointing, we are not the light. So your anointing and your calling is what qualifies you. God will equip you with what you need in order to fill his call. So these men lost their faith and rose up in disobedience because their vision was based in their fleshly eyes, not their spiritual word that was given to them. I've been there where I felt God called me to do something. Anything from cleaning the toilets to singing or preaching. It doesn't matter. And in the moment, we disqualify ourselves. Before I became youth pastor, I don't know if I ever told this congregation that, but I had it made up in my mind. I wanted to be. I felt called to be, but that avenue had not opened up yet, so I was like, you know what, maybe when Pastor Chad and Sister Tiffany move on, then I'll, I'll just go ahead and move on. And then Bishop, out of the nowhere, just came up and asked me. <laughs> he came up, Brother Chad and I were in there working on the youth room, and he came up and asked me. Now, I wanted to say, Bishop, let me pray about it. I wanted to be really holy, but I was like, yes! <laughs> uh but uh, I was excited because God, God gave me a, call, a calling that I did not yet see coming. But God seen it coming. He knew it was coming. And in the moment that I was qualified, he said, okay. 
He qualified me in that moment and allowed me to step into my ministry. So, in the moment that we disqualify ourselves because we think we are unqualified, we walk into a uh, motion of disobedience to the will of God and the man of God. And because we follow our eyes and not the word, we find ourselves, like the, Jerus- like the Israelites, walking backwards instead of forwards. It is clear that the will of God was not to go in because Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Now listen, why did they fall on their faces? The reason they fell on their faces, I really want you to hear this this morning. The reason they fell on their faces is because Moses and Aaron knew where they were supposed to go. But the people would not go. Hear that this morning. Our vision, our ministry, our pastor, our God knows where this church is supposed to go. But don't allow our, our pastor and our God to fall on our face because we know, because God knows where we're supposed to go, but the people will not go because of their vision and they're afraid to go. Amen? So in the end of the result, the generation dies in the wilderness because their vision led to disobedience secondly value Joshua chapter 7 verse 18 through 21 very familiar scripture forgive me if I mess up some of the names but I don't speak ancient Hebrew and I am not a scholar so (laughs) and he brought his household man by man and Achan the son of Carmi the son of Zebedee the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus, and thus have I done. And I saw among the spoils, I, listen to that word, I saw. Once again, vision plays in. I saw among the spoils of goodly Babylonian garments and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels of weight. Then I coveted them because he was seeking them. He saw them and he coveted them and took them and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So what is another thing that can cause a momentary or an instantaneous moment of disobedience in our life? Value. Now, what is value? Money? Yes. Riches? Yes. But value is in a lot of different things, okay? My wife will laugh at me. I recently got a different vehicle that I've really wanted for a long time, a truck. And uh, she gets on me because my car... I allowed it to be a little messy. And her van, I allowed it to be a little messy. But the inside of my truck is completely spotless. Okay? Why? Because I value the truck more than I did the car. They both did the same thing, but I valued it more. Value is not just based in money. It's based in what you value. A couple weeks ago, I preached about the value of the alabaster. You can value something that has actual no value in this monetary world but if it's valuable to you 
then it becomes value. I don't believe that Achan thought in his mind that this is the perfect time for me to get rich. When he went up into Jericho, he thought, ooh, I can't wait to get my hands on that gold. Ooh, I can't wait to get my hands on that silver. I don't think in his mind he was thinking, I'm going to rebel against Joshua, and I'm going to find this gold, and I'm going to hide it, and I'm going to be rich. I don't believe that's what his mentality was. When I go into Jericho, I'm going to get all the money I can get. To give a little context of the story, it was told that they were basically to leave everything of value, that they were to leave the gold, to leave the accursed things, that they weren't to touch it, they were just supposed to leave it. And here Achan comes in, and the Bible says he saw. That's right. It started with his vision. It started with his eyes. And he began to take the things that were cursed that the man of God told them not to touch. That the man of God said, no, 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 no. Don't touch this stuff. Don't touch this cursed stuff. When you go in there, don't touch any of that thing. But when he went in, he didn't have the mentality that I'm going to touch it. But when he went in, he saw it. Didn't obey the word of God and the man of God in his life. And he responded to his sight because he valued something more than he valued his life. More than he valued the word of God in his life. More than he valued the man of God in his life. More than he valued all these things. He saw something and it consumed him. And this is the issue. Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 21 lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and there thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also also this is not only talking about money, like I said before, it's talking about what you value. And when the man of God in your life and God says don't touch something, then he's telling you don't touch the thing that you value. Don't get around this. He's doing it to save your life and for you to take part in the victories to come. For you to take part in the glories, Joshua's not done. It was just the beginning. He was getting ready to go throughout all of Canaan. And Achan and his entire family could not take part in that victory because value led to disobedience. Because what he valued in life led to his disobedience against the word of God. When we start to value something so much, we enter into this mindset that it's the only thing that matters. And when what you, sorry, what you value is the only thing that matters, then all the real attention will be devoted to what you value. Sister Angela and I, we have children. When we have our baby, we value that baby very much. And our attention has to be devoted to that child because we value that child. If we didn't value that child, that child would starve and die. Well, that's morbid, Brother Brian. But listen to that. There's a message in that. What you don't value will starve and die. So when you value the things of life and the monetary or the things of this world that God or the anointing doesn't want you to value, then God and the anointing will starve and die in your life. Does that make sense? 
And therefore, the things of God will lack in your life because your value is not in God. Your value is in the things of this world. So value can cause disobedience when you value things that are not of God. God wants your value to be towards his word and towards his word the most. So when you start to value them other things, you are, you are asking to do something for God. When, excuse me. You start to value other things and you are asked to do something by the anointed man of God, by God's calling. You will either A, reject it, or you would do it half-heartedly. You won't find value in it, so you'll do it just a little bit. And it will interfere with what you were meant to do in your life. It will interfere with the calling of God in your life. It will interfere with the vision of God in your life. It is true that each and every one of us, God has a specific calling for. Amen? All of us are called to reach the lost. Every single one of us are called to reach the lost. Well, I can't do that. I'm not that kind of type of person. Okay, well, you can do that because God called you to do that, and he qualified you no matter what type of person you are. Doesn't matter if you can't talk very well. Look at, look at Moses. He couldn't talk very well, but God led him, had him lead all the Israelites out of Egypt because God qualified him when he called him. In all of us, when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, are instantly qualified to reach the lost. So God qualifies you after he calls you and gives you a vision, which each and every one of us, God has a vision for your life. But your value, what you value the most, will feed. That's what you will feed. And you won't either value God, you won't feed your God, your anointing, and your calling in your life, or you'll feed other things in your life. I mean, it could go with anything. I mean, it could go with school, it could go with jobs, it could go with money, it could go with houses, it could, it could go with anything. I mean, you could put, you can add the value context to anything. Okay? You could value a marble. You know? <laughs> I mean, you could value whatever you want to value. The ch- but but the, the, uh, the concept of the story is if you value that thing more than you value the anointing of God and the call of God and the man of God in your life, you will find yourself in disobedience. And the result was his family would die with the things that he valued. Thirdly, pride. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 7 through 9 and verse 23. Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah, I can't even, Hevelea, something like that. Well, thank you. Praise God. Someone amen me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Until thou comest to Shearer, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. He was supposed to kill him. And utterly destroyed all the people. With the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. Now watch this. He was supposed to kill everything. Spared Agag and the, not the sheep, the best of the sheep. And the best of the oxen, of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good. How did they identify it was good? Because of their sight. 
He went through and he was probably slaughtering all the sheep and all the oxen. And then he came to this spotless lamb. He was like, ooh, I'll save that one. His vision instantly stopped him. But why would it stop him? What did he want to do with that sheep? We're going to get into that. The best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was, uh, was vile and refuse, <laughs> you, we could apply that to our lives. Everything that was vile and refuse, he judged and said, we'll kill these things. They utterly destroyed that. So Samuel, he finds out what's going on. We're just skipping a bunch of verses here, and we'll, we'll go through the context about it a little bit. In verse 23, it says, For rebellion, now watch this, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word, the word that establishes faith in your life, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Once again, we find sight playing its role in the failure of someone that had so much potential. Saul was called. Saul was anointed. He had potential, but his potential was ruined by A, his sight, and B, his pride. Stubbornness. It's telling when Saul says, I was going to sacrifice them, Lord, to you. I was going to keep these lambs. He was going through, he was killing all the nasty ones. And then he found a spotless lamb and a fatling over here and all these different things that he could sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, ooh, I'll sacrifice them to you, Lord. I'll give them to you. Look what I did, God. I did all these sacrifices for you. But the problem is that's not what God told him to do. This is why a minister starts in the bathroom and not the pulpit. Starts cleaning the bathroom before he ever preaches the message. Amen? Listen, this is like, Pastor always taught us, this is like 5% right up here. Okay, ministry is in the thick of things. Your calling will not always be glamorous. Your calling will not always say, look at me. But your calling is something that can change of life and is important in the body of Christ. If you're looking to find glory in doing the work of God, you're not going to get it here. You may get a good, oh, man, you did a really good job. You did a good job preaching. You did a good job teaching, Brother Brian. Sometimes you'll get that, well, you know, you probably could have done this better. That's okay. Not, not perfect. You did a good job preach, preaching, Brother Brian. Good job. Thank you, but all glory be to God. Because my glory is not here on this earth. My glory will be when I receive my crown in heaven. And how do I receive a crown? I don't receive a crown by preaching the word of God on a pulpit. I receive a crown in jewels by saving the lost. By saving, by reaching out to the lost. That is my true calling. That is your true calling. And when the vision is cast to save the lost, if we look to find glory here, we will find ourselves like Saul in what he wanted. Look what I did. Look at all these spotless lambs, God, that I'm going to sacrifice. Look at this, Israel. He wanted to have this great sacrifice to the Lord that the Lord would honor. 
His pride said, look at me and look what I am going to do. And it was his sight that started it. Who would see the victory if he did not bring back the prize? David came in with the Ark of the Covenant and danced before the Lord. His prize, his victory. No one would see Saul's victory if he didn't bring the king Agag back. Israel if he didn't bring all these sheep back uh, to the tabernacle and into the temple and sacrifice them nobody would see that if he killed them all now where's my trophy where's my trophy at we don't get trophies we don't we don't get trophies in this earth but we get the greatest honor and privilege to reach the lost it's not about trophies. It's about aligning yourself with the anointing and the will of God and the man of God in your life to accomplish the vision. Now, David, years down the road, would have to deal with the Amalekites because Saul didn't do his job. God has great delight in sacrifice, He does. You sacrifice to God when you do something for God. Back there cooking and, you know, in your Sunday school and singing. You do all these sacrifices to God. God has great delight in that. He does. But to obey is greater than sacrifice. But to obey is greater than any sacrifice that you will ever give is obedience. Now, sacrifice is also needed. But without obedience, you find disobedience. You find rebellion. And what is rebellion as? The sin of witchcraft. Once again, when the man of God or the will of God comes to you and says, this is what God wants you to do in your life, and it's not what you want, or it's not glamorous. I often think of Sister, I, I, they can correct me if I'm wrong, Sister Alexis Pritchett, um, there are Sunday school directors, and I think when she was asked, she was not completely on board when she was first asked. Am I right, Sister Kim? But she's amazing at it. Because she followed the man in the will of God for her life. And she thrived. He thrived. Brother Stephen left something that I thought he would never leave. And being the, the music director up here and doing all these musical stuff, I thought that was going to be his thing for the rest of his life. But he left and went to something that I never thought he would do. And I honor that. And God honors that obedience greater than any sacrifice he made up here. He honors the obedience to the will of God. Sometimes, or excuse me, so, so when God asks us to do something that might not be glamorous in our sight, we will find ourselves rebelling of that. We will find ourselves rebelling against that. And in the end, our pastor is left with the bling of the sheep. Samuel was left with the bling of the sheep. Now, I can just imagine, okay, you know, man of God's up here preaching, and uh, there's a need in the church. That was, and I hope I'm okay this morning. There was a need in the church that our pastor asked to fill, asked someone to fill. 
And that need was not filled because it was not glamorous, because pride played a role. I'm sure security is not always the glamorous, you know. Sitting back there watching for people coming in the back door. It's, it's not always glamorous. So pastor's up here, and he, he's preaching, and he hears, bah, bah. Because there's something still there that needed to be fulfilled that wasn't fulfilled because our pride didn't allow us to do it because glamour was not a part of it. Does that make sense this morning? So pride will hold us back and it will cause us to rebel. Like I said, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. So when you allow yourself to rebel or disobey, even in, the, in, in something that seems so small, when you allow yourself to make the remark, it's not that big of a deal. Cleaning is not that big of a deal. And doing this is not, it is a very big deal. One of the main things that people identify when they first walk into the church is your bathrooms. That's one of the first things that they identify of whether they're coming back or not. Not the pulpit, not the pews, not the greeters, not the food. It's the bathrooms. It's true. Watch this. What if God says give $500 in your special offering that we have coming up? And you say, okay, God, let's negotiate a little bit. <laughs> I'll give 450 That's close enough. There's one problem. God said give 500 That's why when you put that $450 check, you feel condemned when you put it in because you knew that God told you to give 500 because your act was not an act of giving. Hear me. I hope I'm not stepping out, out of line. Your act was actually not an act of giving. It was an act of rebellion. Because God told you to give this. And you said, no, I'll give this. God told you to kill all the sheep. And you said, no, I'll keep this back for me. And therefore, you hindered the blessings of God because you held back. Now, what if I said this? God asked you, asked you, uh, excuse me. You can do what God asks you to do. Now, how easy is this? Okay, the $500 and the $450, that seems a little bit, ah, uh, you know, that's no big deal. Now, let me ask this question, okay? Let's put it in this context. God asks you to follow the will of God, right? To follow the, the call of God in your life. To follow what God is asking you to do in your life, amen? Or to dabble with witchcraft. You'd be like, I'm following. Now, I know that seems really severe and that seems really forward, but it's the truth. When you allow rebellion to take control in your life, what you're allowing is witchcraft to take control. This almost as the sin of witchcraft, I should say. So when we rebel against God's word, we are not only just, uh, just saying no and it's no big deal. We are cause and effect. We are doing a cause that will have an effect on our life. Now that $450 that you gave, and I'm not saying you should give 500 or 450 I'm just giving an example. Now that $450 you gave, your blessing that you were supposed to give doesn't come like it, did, like it would have. Because God told you to give 500 And then you put it in, you felt condemned instead of felt liberated. When you give what God told you to give, you feel liberated. You feel, man, that was really good. I feel really good about that. 
That goes with worship, with praise. Listen, when you're holding on to the pew and God's saying, get out of your pew, get down to the altar and worship God. And we kind of walk halfway up, halfway up to the altar and we stopped and we do this thing and we give God a little bit of praise. We don't feel the redemption that God wanted us to have because he said, go all the way down to the altar and get what God wants you to have. We have to give all of our sacrifice. And the only thing that prevents us from getting all the way down here is our pride. Three stories, and I'm almost done. I got a little bit more time. All the stories were under great leadership. Moses, great leader. He had a task. He was like he was like Alexander. He was like a moving, like a moving city. Three stories, three great leaders. Moses was a great leader. Joshua, I mean, who could argue? Joshua on the wrongs of Jericho. We have a song about it. Great leader, great vision. Samuel. There's two books written. First and second Samuel. Great leader, anointed man of God. One story caused a whole generation to pass. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness. One story caused his whole family to pass. The other story caused him to be severed from the anointing of God and eventually his whole family would die except for one person. Now let's put that in concepts of today. We don't want to do the will of God. We, we don't like completely rebel. You know, we think about that word rebellion. We're thinking about someone out with a, you know, pitchfork coming against the church. You know, that's not, that's not always what it is. If sometimes it's just the simple no to the calling of God is rebellion. Okay, so here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens to families. Here's what happens to people. Here's what happens to what God wants you to do. Because of our rebellion, we cause whole generations that we were supposed to reach under our calling, our anointing, and the vision of our man of God to pass away in the wilderness. We were supposed to reach them. Okay, let's get a little bit more personal. Because of our refusal to follow the vision or the will of God or the man of God in our life, our family, spiritually passes away and dies with the values under the tent. Or thirdly, like Saul, we are severed from the anointing of God to where we cannot feel the very presence of God and not just an instantaneous death but a slow death to all of his family except for one you are called according to the works and promises and the vision of God if you do not fulfill that ministry in your life People will never make it to God. It's hard, Brother Brian. I understand. But sacrifice is needed along with obedience. I always said that you will lack in sacrifice if you never learn to obey. 
But obedience will always give you the ability to sacrifice adequately to what God wants you to do. All of them have a story where right after the story, the following stories, like Joshua, they went on to conquer everything in Canaan. The spies that went in after 40 years of dying in the wilderness, the people that believed went on to conquer. David went on to be a king and Israel became greater than ever was. And every three, all three of them people, all three of them situations could have been part of that great victory. Or they could die in the wilderness. So you can be a part of the greatness of what God has for his last day church. Or you can say, no, I think I'll step back. And you can cause destruction in your life. I'm going to tell a quick story and I'm going to be done. And it's a little personal, so if I cry, I'm sorry. <laughs> From the moment I came to new life, I knew what the word obedience was and I knew what it meant to follow the man of God. I've been raised in church. But I found an obedience to the man of God in my life that I didn't know before. I was 17 years old, I was young, and I was a punk. I was. I was a young punk. And uh, God led and guided the man, man of God into my life. And right over here, right at the corner of this, right here, I had my, my elbows down right here. And Pastor Keith came over right here, put his arms around me, says, what do you think about me in the ministry? And I said, And from that moment on, I begin to follow the man of God in my life, my pastor and my pastor's wife in my life. And everything was going good. I had failures, and I admitted my failures to my leadership. And then a year, year and a half ago, it was one of our first services back. And uh, I was called to be the youth pastor of this church. I was the youth pastor. A year and a half ago, I was the youth pastor. Still am, just for a little while longer, but I was the youth pastor. I had a job and a calling to do. And we did our meeting over here, and uh, everybody walked out, and I couldn't go. And I sat in there, and I cried, and I was crying, and my pastor and my pastor's wife would not leave me until they knew I was okay. They had service in here and other things to take care of, and they would not leave me until til they knew everything was okay. And then they sent me to go do the job that I was called to do. After I got it all together, they said, all right, you going to be okay? I'll be okay. Okay, go, go take care of your class. Leadership. And I would never be, from that moment on, my ministry and the anointing and what I have, what have God has talked to me about, from that moment on has been greater than I've ever experienced. Because I'm willing to obey. And I'm asking you, in these last few moments of this world, to do what's being asked of you to do from God.
we can do it. We can change the very foundation of our cities if we will obey, if we will listen to the call of God.